ready? So welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. I want to give a really big thank you to Wild Earth Australia because I'm just so stoked to be a part of their team. Through them, I get to meet the most amazing adventurers because as a company, they are really supporting people that are just getting out there and giving life a really good crack. They're just such a good company that truly believes in the adventurous lifestyle. So a big thank you to them. Now, if you need any gear for your next adventure, running, hiking, camping, climbing, survival, you name it, there you have it. So go to the website wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Free shipping Australia wide. They even ship internationally. All right, so welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. I'm finally back. Sorry for everyone for the last three weeks for not putting any episodes out. I was down on my land with no reception building my house but i'm giving you guys the episode everyone's been asking for the last few weeks and that is how i got stranded overseas with this whole COVID 19 thing um i came up to brisbane and I, and I got matt brown again back in the studio and we recorded the story together so big shout out to matt and thank you for coming back on now i'm back on the podcast train i'm up on the gold coast staying at mum's so i can just work on it because i have so many freaking amazing episodes coming out and i've got the best episode I think I've ever done is coming out in two weeks, and that's with the big wave surfer Shane Ackerman. No one's, um, no one's got inside his head before. He does hardly any interviews, and I got inside a guy's head that does not fear, and I'm calling it the best episode I've ever had. So stay tuned. I've got heaps of episodes coming out the next few weeks. I'll be back to weekly. Sorry for the last three weeks of having no episodes, and enjoy this podcast so this is the podcast of me being in iceland and getting stranded overseas when all the borders shut down and making it back to australia enjoy guys man good seeing you man it's actually it's been a while it's been fuck when did i see you last oh down the beach in palm (laughs) yeah down in palm beach on the gold coast but this has been our first podcast for a while and I kind of actually miss it because you're probably one of my favorite guys to do podcasts with. I'm pretty much the best. Yeah, one of. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you, nah, you do all right. But um, how's things I'm, been? You've um, yeah, you've been through a lot in the past six months. I've heard. Yeah, well, I've been waiting for like three. Fuck, how long's it been? I've been waiting for quite a few weeks to come up to just to see you because I could have kind of told this story to anyone, but I wanted to. I wanted to tell it to you just because I felt the most comfortable to tell you about it and um, and really do this justice because it's such a weird time in the world right now and and as oblivious yeah. as I am, I had nothing, I had no idea what was happening unfolding in the world. Yeah, you know? the time yeah. of the pandemic. Time of the pandemic and right now it's like I should have actually, we should have recorded this a few weeks ago because it was such a heightened level. I feel like right now everyone's just going back to normal life. Like I've just come up to the Gold Coast and everyone's just hanging out, having fun and just surfing. It's the most crowded I've ever seen yeah, the beach. It's, it's been really weird because we, we haven't been able to do anything at all. We've just been spending weekends at home and yeah, that's about it. It's Until, so, And they've just like lifted everything so or yeah. lifted some things. 
I think you were saying to me when you when we spoke about doing this podcast the first time you're saying oh i think if i went to do it in the first week the emotions were so high for you that you said you wouldn't you wouldn't have felt comfortable doing it it was weird man it was actually a really yeah let's get into it because it was actually the last part like it's yeah it was so weird it's like literally escaping like i said to you it was running the gauntlet i was in a whole nother country and everything shut down around me and i literally just had to run the gauntlet home Mm. and what we'll go through like there was a the steps and the process of that everything was just falling apart it was so weird and so weird to see the fear in the world of the people around me me not really having any idea of what the fuck was happening yeah closing borders flights being cancelled yeah hear about it so you basically went to iceland so i guess start there yeah, well, it was my second trip to Iceland. So I spent, what, four months there last year, or just under four months there last year, living in a van, surfing, and, yeah, basically just getting to know the place and just getting to know that environment. And I've done several podcasts on it, so that's not new to any listeners. Um, but, yeah, I went back this time. I went back with a few expeditions in mind. Yeah. And we had three big expeditions planned, and I was actually, it was actually such an exciting time for me. And I think as the pandemic happened, I think a lot of people missed out on a lot of things. So I definitely have nothing to complain about. But I was like, I was in the middle of like, we had these three expedition, expeditions planned. And I was just like, for one, it was going to be the funnest adventures I'd ever done. And yeah. some of the most challenging adventures I'd ever done. Especially and- Iceland too, because Iceland's sort of like almost the last frontier, one of the last. Yeah, yeah. And everything was going to be filmed. And I was just like, I was like thinking, like fingers crossed, going, fuck, I'm never going to have to go back to construction again. <laughs> Which goes through. How, how, did, um, how did you end up with, because um, you ended up with a, was it a documentary crew? Yes. Okay. So, no, there's a, so there's a guy, Yannick Binter, um, which I actually did a podcast with called Safari Guide, Guide in Africa. And he's a photographer. And he's a walking safari guide in Africa and he travels all around the world and does his photography. But he's doing all his life work for the last 15 years. All go is going into this. Well, he's got a couple of books coming out. But one of his books are based on Antarctica. Oh, it was basically on the South Pole and the North Pole. Yeah. And us being up in the Arctic, he like basically has like three subjects and that's animals, the climate and how and the people but how they interact with those three. And so basically he chose me to be one of his subjects, I think because it's a little bit odd that I'm like this Australian guy up in the Arctic just frothing (laughs) on the environment up there so much and like wanting to really get out there and push myself in it. So basically he was coming to Iceland for a month and planned this expedition to document Arctic foxes and to document reindeer and he had a few other really cool shoots in mind. One was like a big helicopter shoot. I don't know if anyone saw on my Instagram Yeah, story. I did see that. That's where I first saw him and I was like, oh, this guy's pretty wild. Yeah, so we did. Yeah, and so basically he just invited me on. So I had already had these other two expeditions planned and he invited me pretty much to come for a month with him and just trek around Iceland and just pretty much take photos for this book, like for him. Like So basically I was like one of his main subjects in the book, but also... I got to do the whole thing with him. Yeah. But yeah, we definitely. only got three, we only got halfway into that expedition until everything unfolded. But um, we still got to drive around the whole country. Meanwhile, this time, so last year I had a van, um, thanks to Cuckoo Campers. They hooked me up with a van last year. Yeah. This year, 
I wanted to do things a little bit differently. And a friend of mine um, hooked me up to buy a car. Uh, like through his uncle hooked me up with a really cheap Subaru wagon, like Liberty, <laughs> like a standard <laughs> Subaru wagon. Because I said like, it's just because after spending so much time there last year, I built such a community base and so many friends. So I was like, fuck, I'm going to do, I just, I wanted to stay with a few people. I wanted to do things a little bit different. And when I had the option of doing this car and it being like a really cheap way to do it, I was like, yeah. fuck, I've lived in cars my whole life. Like, no, not my whole life, but my whole adult life. Like every car I've ever had, I've lived in. And, you know, like right now I've got my troop carrier in Australia here and I live in that. Like that's probably even out of my house. It's probably my primary residence is my troop carrier. Yeah. And so I just thought, oh, fuck, I'll just live in a car in the Arctic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I fly into Iceland and um, I pick up this Subaru Liberty. And, and it's actually really cool because in Reykjavik in Iceland is an Ikea. And so oh, we okay. go to Ikea and I just deck this car out. So basically I buy a couple of old donors and I kind of string out all the windows, like make strings. And I just like um, made curtains with these donors. Did and- you cold proof it at all? Well, that's how I was like. Because I feel like oh, this is ta- this is giving me flashbacks of you getting hypothermia in, in South Korea. Korea, thinking I'm going to be fine. I'm just going to wear a jacket. Well, I kind of got really lucky because Wild Earth Australia hooked me up with like they just gave me some really good gear. Well, like camping t- gear and stuff. Yeah, like that. so they yeah. gave me a minus forty sleeping bag. They gave me really oh, good awesome. merino wool thermals Fuck and all this yeah. stuff. Not saying like okay. I just wanted to. I okay. I just wanted to do it. It was just the. It was the option that I had. And I was just like, fuck it, yeah, I'll do it. It's the naive, it's, it's just me. It's like naive is bliss. And it's just mm. how I want to do things. But I just wanted to give it a go. And it was actually, um, it was quite hard. Yeah. Like it was, it was actually so cold. Like <laughs> when you're in the sleeping bag, it's fine. Okay, so I put this thing on social media, like I think my first or second night sleeping in that car. And I was in a minus 40 sleeping bag. And I was like, oh, I've just got to figure out how to piss. And heaps of people message me and they're like, just pee in a bottle. Yeah. But it, that was not the problem. Of course, I could pee in a bottle, but it's getting it was getting out of the sleeping bag. So people are thinking, oh, instead of getting out the car to where it's like minus 20 or minus 30 degrees outside, just pee in a bottle. And I'm like, like inside the car. Mm. But I'm like, it wasn't because... It wasn't the fact of getting outside the car that was cold. It was getting outside the sleeping bag because inside the car, it was just as cold as outside the car. Yeah, pretty yeah, much because yeah, yeah. the car is like it's aluminium it's like it's metal it's just like an ice box so it made its own little challenges so what i did i just like i had an air mat and i had a minus 30 sleeping bag do you know what the temperature was um oh it fluctuates iceland fluctuates depending where you are it's mainly the wind temperature that you got to be the most um careful but while i was there it was like minus five to minus 25 yeah. and then wind wind temperatures because in iceland the the wind especially coming off the mountains, it just cuts through you and it's always so windy. So that was the hardest thing. But I did it. <laughs> it's so weird actually like driving around and like all my mates, it's, it's just so weird because they look at you and they just think it's so freaking insane. Because if you think about it, they don't have a camper van culture. We're used to that. Now it's starting to become a thing because tourists are such a massive thing now in Iceland. So like now it's like the camper vans 
they rent out to tourists, but they have heaters in them. So now a few locals, it's starting to become a thing. Well, not really. It's really frowned upon. It's really like looked as like a really lower grade way of living life. Yeah. Kind of thing. So it's really frowned upon. So then suddenly to have this like Aussie guy, not even in a van, just like in like a Subaru wagon. <laughs> it's like has like blankets like along the windows and just like in there in a sleeping bag. They just... They're just sort of stupid. <laughs> but you survived. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it was good. So we, so basically I met up with Yannick and we literally drove around all of Iceland. So we took off. We, um, and the whole thing was surfing, um, surfing and then integrating like along the way finding animals. And he's, he's an amazing tracker. So it was like really cool to go up in the highlands, like hike mountains and stuff and like sneak in like – um, like find herds of like reindeer and then like try and sneak up on them, like go on like yeah. downwind of them. Almost or, like a hunter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was exactly is a hunter instead of with a gun. He had a he had a he had a camera. So basically, like we're in just the middle of this most insane trip. We did some really cool helicopter rides, like taking photos and everything. Yeah, and that would have been such an experience just to go over well, of all places, Iceland in a helicopter. Not not many people get to do that. So. Oh, it's freaking insane, man! And we went and like we went and snowboarded mountains that people just haven't snowboarded. I've just... got a question. I saw on your Instagram he he would just swing the door open and start taking photos. Yeah, I'm get I'm probably just being a bit naive, but he straps himself in for that, right? Yeah. So yeah, he had a harness. <laughs> but what was really yeah. cool? This is the fucking funniest thing because our mate was the helicopter pilot. Yeah, and so. We kept getting to him. He kept like um, nose diving. He would climb up and then just nose dive. He did it once for fun. And then I ended up saying like, I had so much fun. So then I was like, would be like climbing. Then I'll just be like, oh, like we'll be cruising somewhere. And I'll just be like, nose dive. And every time I said it, he would just drop it. And everyone would start screaming, freaking out. And everyone was getting like up me for saying it. it was so much fun. Yeah, I'd have been terrified. Yeah. But okay. So the, the whole COVID thing. So basically I'm on this expedition in Iceland. And we're like everywhere we are. For one, Iceland is just a tiny, tiny population. And everywhere we go is tiny villages. And like, yeah, I've got internet, but I'm not, I never watch the but news. But you're not, yeah, you're not, you're out traveling. You're not yeah, looking at news yeah. and what's going on in current affairs. Yeah, and we start seeing stuff on social media or whatever. Nothing's like, nothing is alerted us to yeah. what's actually happening in the world. So we're at no level of heightened. What was the, did you see anything before you started heading out and doing your thing? Did you see anything about the, like, I think the like where it was at is that it was, in China, there was yeah, something, there was not, nothing about it, it spreading or anything or like, it was like literally just a, a non-thing. Like I yeah. suppose at the time when I left and stuff that I heard about might have like picked other people's fears up, but I just don't watch the news as it is. But it was really weird. We're in the north of Iceland and we're searching for waves and there's this old ranch. There's this old lady lives on in the north. And I know her from last year because she used to let me cut through a property to get to this wave that's like... Oh, it's a wave that we actually found there, and mm. I named it. But you she named was, the wave, yeah. And she, it was actually, um, and she was just such a nice lady. Like last year, she was so, um, she had so much hospitality, and she was so, she was so welcoming and everything. So we're cruising in the north, and we had another friend with us, um, in his full drive, and so we're kind of cutting through this farm to look for, like, to try get to the. Um, cliff line so we can see down on this wave 
And we end up driving through a whole heap of snow. And I'm thinking, Yannick, he's behind us, the photographer, but he's in a van, like a two-wheel drive, like big van. And we drive through this big chunk of snow through this farm. And I'm thinking, there's no way he's going to follow us because the van's not going to make it. But he decided to follow us, <laughs> thinking it was okay. So he ends up getting stuck. It turns out, it turns into this big thing um, of just cutting through this lady's farm to suddenly like, now he's stuck. We're trying to dig him out. We can't. We don't have a tow rope, but we've got my mate's four-wheel drive. So we're like, shit. So, so now we're going to have to cross across the farm to her farmhouse and ask her for a rope. And I'm like, oh, it's no problem. This lady's so nice, you know? So we take off on the four-wheel drive, go around to the farmhouse knock on the door and this lady opens the door and last year when we were there she was so hospitable she's like come and stay whenever you want cut through the farm go surf blah blah we've knocked on on the door and i was like hey how are you it's so nice to remember me from last year and she's like oh yeah and i go to give her a hug mm. and she was like oh don't don't touch me and i was like oh oh so sorry and i was like oh sorry i'm a hugger and she's like no no and she's like and she just had this fear and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, how have you been? She's like, yeah, okay. And like, was just cold to us. Mm. Where last year when I met her, she was so nice and friendly. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. We've, we've, we're just wondering if you got a rope. We've got stuck like on your farm. She, and she's like, well, you shouldn't be there. And I was like, oh, last year I thought, like, I thought it was fine. So yeah, maybe mm. we should have come set. And she's like, no, people shouldn't be on my farm. And, and she was just very closed off. And I was just she's like, freaking oh. out. yeah. And I was like, oh, look, I'm so sorry. Like, do you have a rope and she's like yeah it's in the car and she would just wouldn't come near us and then i ended up saying to her like oh like how is everything you know like trying to like Talk make light and, of the yeah. situation she's like oh this virus like we're all gonna die and 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 obviously she's out on this farm and she's watching the news something that we hadn't even seen anything seen yeah, and, yeah. and next thing so like she was just really weird and and we we jump in the full drive and we're driving off with this rope and i got on my mate i was like fucking hell what what was all that about i'm like that lady's just freaking out she's so scared like what virus this thing in china like what the hell like not knowing that it was spreading Mm. throughout the world and that um political action was starting to to take place place, yeah you know what i mean so like that was our first experience and there was nothing for another week of covid19 like we ended up traveling all through the north everything was fine and we get to the to the northeast and we're hunting reindeer and someone messages me and they're like oh are you gonna come home and i was like what do you mean like no i'm here for another few months and they're like oh no dude you should probably come home like shit's getting like um shit's starting to get pretty wild yeah they're gonna start closing borders yeah and i'm thinking like and i was just like thinking about that old lady and i was like whatever like i'm not gonna fear like fall into fear like that old like like whatever like nothing and um so we i just let it go and then probably about two days later i start getting these messages like shit dude what are you doing like you're in the middle of fucking nowhere you've got to get back to australia and i was like what are you just talking about so we start looking up the news mm. so me and yannick we sit down and we're like what the fuck are these messages about like what's this virus thing we're like this is Wait, where's he from again sorry yannick he's um oh, he's a mixture so he lived what in the States live? for years. He lives in France yeah. and he's German. So he's part French, part German, part American. But he li- he's based in France, mm. <laughs> which is not the best country to get back to. Yeah. So like we're just, and so we're sitting there going, what the fuck is going on here? And um, 
so we start looking at the news and we're seeing all these cases and we're just seeing all this stuff like go off and and it's our first like kind of looking at the news and it's just all over and and i don't watch the news in general really just because i like you see the fear like even now i haven't watched the news for like since i've been home well it's one of the best things i did is not watch the news yeah uh, i think if i sat there and watched the news every day and have this repeated fear being told to me every day i think i would have freaked out a lot more yeah but uh i've been surprisingly calm through the whole thing yeah Yeah. um we'll get into fear a little bit later because i got i got a theory on it but um we're just not we're just not still heightened yet. We're like, we're seeing this stuff on the news and we're like, oh, okay, well, this is a bit odd, but I don't really know. And I start... Did you decide there and then and there to say, oh, maybe I should go home? No. Nah. No. Okay. It was not even a thing. Yeah. And it was so weird from this. Okay. From that lady, that hug. Yeah. To a week later is when I started getting messages. Yeah. Still didn't think anything of it. We looked at the news. There was still nothing about borders closing or anything. It was just like, oh, shit's getting bad. Yeah. We did a few more days trekking around. We went out to this um, sheep farm and I did the podcast, um, The Shepherd in the North, which was really oh, yeah, yeah. That's a cool good podcast. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we went past the glaciers and we did a, and then we went surfing again. We got some good waves and we get back to, back to Reykjavik and this is, so we get back to- uh, Is Reykjavik the capital? Yeah, the capital. Yeah, yeah. We get back there and next thing, this is like within that like four days of being in the east to suddenly like being back in the in the city, shit had just like gone next level. That's when border closures started coming out like, oh, we're shutting borders. And we're like, what the fuck? So we proper get online and really start researching what's happening. And Australia's talking about they're shutting their borders. They're not going to let citizens in. Iceland shutting their borders. UK shutting their borders. Singapore, heaps of countries had already shut their borders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my inbox is just filling up with people going, you need to leave, you need to leave. And then I'm like... One of them may going, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what's <yeah>. your plans? <laughs> so I'm like... And suddenly I'm like, oh man, the anxiety from suddenly like just coming into that was fucking ridiculous. It was scary. Cause it was- i, I got to ask, is there... Because uh, this is something I feel like would happen to me. Is there certain people that you reacted to more because of, I guess you maybe trusted them a bit more? Oh, yeah. Completely trusted. It's like, it's like hey, there'd be people that are, oh, they're probably overreacting. Mm. Like my, most mothers would probably That's exactly it. Yeah. The people that first messaged yeah. me were the, like people who I would consider like quite fearful. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, you know, like, ah. Oh. Yeah. And then... Yeah, you get the certain people yeah. that you trust with every word and you're like, holy shit, even they're saying come home. Yeah, but I was being home. like pretty naive, like, 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 because I wasn't watching anything. So it was, it was weird. It was like zero to fucking boom, straight in your face. And like Iceland straight, straight, um, straight away put down, they started shutting shops. Oh, it's like a zombie apocalypse for you. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> like within a couple of days, like all my friends got fired because it's a tourist industry. Mm. They started shutting down all the, um, plane flights and everything and this all just started happening around us and we're like what the fuck so i put this thing on social media and like oh hey should i come home or should i just stay it was pretty funny because a mate of mine messaged me and he's like yeah you should do what people on social media tell you what's <laughs> and it was like but that's what your thought would be yeah it's like or just oh, ask like the con- why, like, why the listen census? to the social media group yeah. because they're all most of them are probably all just whacked i do get terrible advice on there but I got some amazing advice. Yeah. I got some great advice, but I also got some really stupid <laughs> terrible advice. advice. Just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. It was just like terrible advice when it really started happening. Okay, so this is the thing. Not like knife someone my, and steal a boat. And my <laughs> sister home. works for um, the, the insurance company, right? She works, mm. and my travel insurance is 
through one of her companies that she works for. And my sister calls me and she's like, Australia's put out a travel warning. Mm. They've banned overseas travel. They said, do not travel. And it's been, and now this virus has been upgraded to a pandemic. Yeah. So she's like, I've just gone through your, um, your travel insurance. And she's like, it's now void. You have no travel insurance. Yeah. So she's like, fuck the virus. It doesn't matter if you get that. You're fine with that. She's like, you're in the most, you're in the rawest climate on the planet. Yeah. Where you can just fucking slip over an ice on the road and break your leg. You know what I mean? She's like, it's so, and as people have heard on podcasts before, like how wild that climate is and how how much you hurt yourself there. It's like. So it's not a point about, oh, worrying about the virus. It's worrying, hey, if I actually get hurt without any insurance, I'm stuffed. Well, that was a massive thing straight away. I was like, fuck now, I've got no travel insurance. And I didn't have too much money left as it was. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just going to stay. So a mate called me and he called me and goes, hey, he goes, we've got a farm. The guy that I was actually up north with that runs the production company, the Empire Expeditions, he calls me and goes, oh, hey, we've got a farm up in the northeast of Iceland. It's really remote. There's a whole heap of waves up there that have been undiscovered. And he's like, on the farm, there's two houses. You can either stay with me in one. He's like, where? Because he was packing his wife up and kidding. He's like, going to the farm. He's like... He's like, you can either stay in the farmhouse with us or you can have your own one. He's like, come with us. And I was like, oh, brilliant. I'm going to do that. Mm. You know, and then. It actually sounds like a really nice idea. Oh, it's a great idea. And then he's like, yeah. He's like, let's just go climb mountains and go surf. And I was like, fuck yeah, this is sick. Is this sick. the guy from your first expedition that that helped you? Yeah, he was the guy that sponsored me. Ah, yes, yeah, so when, when you did your mountain climbs. Yeah, Surviving the Arctic Mountains, episode mm. 16. Yeah, definitely check that out. That's a, that's a brutal one. Yeah, so he's invited me to go up to the north. So I'm thinking like, oh, okay, sick. That is a sick plan, right? Then it starts escalating. All my friends start losing their jobs. Within a day, all my friends in Iceland, I don't think they all lost their jobs. Literally yeah. everyone I knew lost their jobs. And everyone's like, oh, Aaron, man, just stay. Like, we've got your back. You know, like, you know, because it's such community there. Mm. And I start thinking like, fuck, like, my mate with a production company, he just applied for unemployment. All my friends have just applied for unemployment. Iceland said they're shutting their border. Australia's shutting their border. All Singapore, there was a few countries that had already shut their borders. People are telling me to leave and go home. I've suddenly got no travel insurance. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no, I'm just going to go to the northeast. I'm just going to go hang out. And then I'm like, and my mate's like, yeah, like it's, it's okay. And I'm like, fuck, I've only got enough money for like another two months. And they're saying it's going to be like three to four months, six months, they don't know. And people are telling me to stay. Mm. And I start thinking about it. I'm like, fuck. My friends, like, what's going to happen in three weeks? They're, that's fine now because they've got money in the bank. They're like, yeah, dude, we'll, we'll look after you. Mm. Like, what's going to happen in three weeks' time when they've got to... When things get desperate. Yeah, yeah when things get desperate, they're not going to worry about me. They're going to have to worry about their own, like, family and community. And I'm sitting there and I'm starting thinking about it. I'm like, fuck, I'm, like, going to be, like, a leech to their community. Yeah. Like, someone, I'm like, fuck, but if I go home, I can add to my community if shit really goes down. Plus, I was, like, started worrying about, like, my mom and everything. And so I look up flights and it's just ridiculously expensive. And I'm like, fuck. Did you have a flight back booked at all when no. you went there? So you no, I was supposed way. to be there for another few months. Yeah. And Yannick, him being in the European Union, 
he's like, oh, man, that's, that's no problem. And he was, like, trying to convince me just to stay. And so I was so torn because I was getting different information just pulled at me from, from everywhere. My family was really worried to, like, get home. I had people all through social media saying, dude, you need to come home. This is serious. Yeah. And I had people going, dude, just stay. Who cares? Fuck the virus. It's, not, it's nothing, man. It's just, like, a media hype and blah, blah. So I was, like, just getting this shit from all different angles. It's hard. It's so hard when you get that because you get, you get people who are really worried. You get people who are just going by the letter of the law yeah and then you get people who are like mate it's it's 5g towers causing it like it's a conspiracy yeah. and you're like what do you trust and then you're just seeing the number of deaths and you start yeah it's, it's just it's like a tough decision to make well, what it came down to too it was like like the virus went out of my head about it. it it became down to just like a a political thing like it's like oh, okay well if the border's shut then i can't get home i don't have enough money to stay here like, I'm going to be a leech to my friends and community here, you know, and then just the fear of the unknown, like just sitting there, just the anxiety of the unknown of like not knowing, you know, like being away from home. Like here right now, I'm fine. Like I'm yeah. home now. So like everything's fine. It's just like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing was, it was so weird is that this all happened in two days. You know what I mean? It's just like from when we got back to Reykjavik and this all started unfolding, mm. like when we really started getting the information. So Yannick's telling me just stay. It's cool because we're only halfway through the expedition. He wants to finish his book deal. Then after that, we had another expedition planned with Kerry Smith where she was going to guide me. We found out about the most remote valley in Iceland. Um, the re- most remote part of Iceland has a safe hut in it. Okay. And no one's been able to make it there for a couple of years. And it has a safe hut if anyone gets stuck in the mountains. And I was talking to a rescue team up there. And they... Yeah, the, they haven't been able to make it there because the glacier was too thick over over the last summer. So we started planning an expedition to make it there and to film it. So we had a filmer, um, a producer coming out from Sweden, flying out. Mm. Um, he was going to film the expedition with Kerry and I and oh, Kerry wow. was going to lead us across the mountains into this safe hut. Oh, man, I was so excited. Was yeah, that sounds sick. great. Yeah, and yeah, just for one, it was like going to be filmed. For two, it was just going to be the sickest adventure with friends. It was going to be so much fun. It was going to be scary. It was going to be the challenge that I was looking for. Keep that on the cards. That's No, it's that definitely on like, the cards. Yeah, it's just like, like a... fuck, I had to bail. Yeah. So I've got these really cool expeditions planned, so I don't want to leave. Like, Sorry, I was just asking for another beer. Yeah, can you get from... another beer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm not... What's your bottle there? Like, I'm only just getting into everything I wanted to do there. So, it was so weird. It was like I was torn between the ego of, like, what I wanted to, like, I'm trying to control mm. to, like, what was practical. So, I thought about it. I'll just go for a surf the next day. The surf was – there was a big swell coming. I was like, I'll go surf and I'll figure it out. So, the next morning, we go down. We go down at the beach. My surfing like, it's like six to eight foot, freezing cold slab, like big barrels. Yeah. And I'm just so freaking like torn with what I should do. And so I get everything ready. I decide to paddle out in the wrong spot for some reason. I get stuck. It takes me like half an hour to paddle out in that thick rubber wetsuits. I'm just getting caught inside. I'm getting brain frozen, everything. I had the GoPro on me because we were surfing barrels. As soon as I got out there, GoPro wouldn't start. It had water in it. I'm like, oh, my God, like... What else can go wrong? I went to take off on a wave. My leg rope snapped. Yeah. So I end up on the rocks. I go in, swap the GoPro out, get another GoPro, get another leg rope, 
paddle back out again. <laughs> First wave, eat it. Second wave, just eat it. I'm just getting flogged. I'm just sitting there with all this anxiety, like because I couldn't focus on surfing. I just had all this anxiety, like what the fuck should I do? Now, sorry, just to come back, um, you you went back to the capital. You had to make this decision whether to go north or or leave, and then so you've, you're just mulling over this. Yeah, for like say like two days where were you when you were doing this in in Reykjavik. just in the capital yeah. yeah okay cool so i'm just in the yeah and i'm sitting there and my sister calls me just after this surf and she's like look as i know you want to do this shit like i know you want the adventure and i know you want to like you've got this stuff planned but she's like look you're, you're not she's just like look I'm, I'm buying you a flight you're coming home and I was like, no, I, don't, I just don't know. And she's like, look, no, nah. it's it's getting serious. You're coming home. Mm. So she starts sending me flights. And I was like, all right, I'll make the decision tonight. So we go back. And I get the, I've got a pendulum that I travel with. It's oh. like a thing that you can like ask the universe. I don't know. It's like it's a bit of a spiritual kind of thing. But it's like a little pendulum. A lot of people probably know what I'm talking about. You hold it there. And you ask it several times what your name is. It'll spin one way. And then you say, my name's John. It'll stop and spin the yeah, other yeah, way. Yeah. But I've pulled that out and I've sat by myself because I had to get away from the boys because the boys are all like so optimistic, like, nah, just stay here. It's all cool. Oh, really? And we got word Iceland was shutting their borders in, I think, four days from now. And I'm sitting there and I was like, holy fuck, I go online. So expensive, all the flights. How and much I, um, in, well, I guess in Australian dollars in flights? Just so First flights I started looking at like six to eight grand to get from Iceland. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I start looking at it. I go, I go and sit in the van just by myself. I just meditate and I sit there. And for some reason, I ask the pendulum and it just keeps coming to just go home. I'm like, all right. Had you contacted the um, Australian embassy or anything at that point? Oh, okay, good, uh, good question. Actually, that afternoon before this decision, this yeah. is another big thing. Okay, so I called the Australian embassy. The closest one was in Denmark. Yeah. So Denmark... Australian embassy services like Sweden, Norway. There's, there's no Australian embassy in Iceland? No. Okay. But it services that. And I said to them, oh, hey, like um, Australia said they're closing their borders, like blah, blah. What about Australian travelers? Is there anything you guys can do for Aussie stranded? And they're like, no, the invi- advice is to go home. And I'm like, I'm, it looks like I might get stuck in Iceland. They're like, well, the advice is to go home. So there's nothing we can do. There's no support. You know, there's nothing put in place yet just go home. I was like, fuck. Cause I'm like, cause I said to him, I can't afford eight grand. Mm. And so anyway, I called the Icelandic, um, immigration and I said, Oh, Hey, it looks like I might get stranded here. And they're like, well, no, you won't be. And I was like, well, like, it looks like, um, like I can't afford to fly back to Australia. Like I, I might get stranded here, you know? And they're like, well, no, you're not stranded because, our border's shut in a few days and we still have flights going out. And I said, yeah, but there's not flights going to Australia. Australia's shutting their borders. And so if I leave here, I'm just going to be stranded in another country. And they're like, well, our borders are still open, so yeah, travellers have to leave. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. So I'm sitting here and, and again, my friends are like, no, it's all fine. It's all fine. So that, it was that night. I just went, I was like, fuck, there was so much going on in my head. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go sit down, just be by myself 
and just, you know. And so I got this pendulum out and I'm asking it over and over. So I don't want to leave. I want to do this shit. And it's just, just like, waiting for it to say stay. <laughs> got it. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those moments that are like, just be practical, be practical. So I was like, fuck it. Anyway, I go on and I find this flight in four days. The, the day Iceland has said, I don't know what ended up happening, but the last day it said its borders were open before it was shutting. Mm. And I was like, in four or five days, and I found a flight on Kiwi.com with, um, I think it was British Airways. I think the path was British Airways from Iceland to London. So I found it through Skyscanner on Kiwi.com. British Airways, um, Iceland to London, then London with Emirates to Dubai, Dubai to Sydney. And I think... And it was, it was weird. It was the only flight that I could find um, that was affordable, and it was just over. Two, it was like twenty three hundred without my surfboards. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, because every every day before that was like over six grand, and this was in four or five days' time. So I was like, holy fuck! All right, I'll book it and pray to God that this because every day was escalating so much. I'm like, pray to God, like, so I you make left, it. You left your boards. Were you going to leave all your surfboards behind? Well, I plan to leave all my stuff in iceland yeah so so i booked this flight i sent my sister a message and said hey i just used pretty much all all of my money the rest of my money i've got the flight don't worry it's sweet i'm coming home yeah. she's like all right cool so i was like all right i've got four days let's just hang out and have fun the next four days in iceland that's when shit really escalated like Borders all around the world were just shutting. And by this time, like, we're keeping an eye on what's happening. So I'm like, and everyone's messaging me going, dude, you're not going to make it out of Iceland. Hmm. So I, I leave all my stuff at my friend's place and I bus it to the airport. And the only dude on the bus, I'm thinking, oh, fuck. <laughs> you're weird. the only one on the bus. <laughs> there is no tourist anywhere. I'm yeah. at the bus station because that by this stage, they'd shut down the tourist industry in Iceland. It had been shut down for like, six or seven days at this point and made all the tourists leave. Mm. So I'm on this freaking solo bus to the airport. I get to the airport and I walk in. I'm just praying, going, please, please, like, have like, don't be cancelled. Please don't be cancelled. Please don't be cancelled. Because it was like the pendulum told me I should leave. What did you take with you? So you said you left all your stuff. Did you just take... I actually took my surfboard. Oh, you did take I left one, okay. but I left all my, I left all my Arctic gear. Okay. In like three boxes at my mate's place. But I took I took my my favorite surfboards for Australia. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to buy the luggage at the airport. They're going to let me. It's like, so, I, it's like I said earlier when we were chatting. I was like, it's, your surfboard's like your girlfriend. You've got to take her everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. Yeah, I love them. So, man, I get to the airport in Iceland. I walk in and it's a fucking ghost town. I'm like, holy shit. I'm walking around and I walk up to the screen. To look at the screen at flights. And I'm looking at them what there's like 30 flights displayed. Cancelled, 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 cancelled. Every flight cancelled. I'm like, holy fuck. But it's not up to the time where my flight is. Yeah. So it flicks to the next page. I'm like, cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. And it's all cancelled. I'm like, holy fuck. Then it flicks to the third page, right? <laughs> and it's all cancelled but one flight. And, and it's yours. my flight to London. And I'm like, holy shit. So I line up end up checking in and we're sitting there the anxiety of going because you're just waiting for it to be cancelled there was other travelers that were there not many mm. that had gone to fly out and their flights had been cancelled so they were trying to get on our flight to london so 
the flight ends up going. It's the only flight that day that left Iceland. Everything was cancelled. And I think there would have been ended up being like 15 to 18 people on the plane. Would that be due to their borders being open but other countries being closed? Is the reason most of those cancelled? Well, people were flying in. Yeah. No, I think it was cancelled because they were cancelling all flights or grounding all planes. This is right when all the airlines around the world started grounding their planes. Yeah. Like, I think Virgin had already ground their planes in Australia. Emirates said they had two days left and they were grounding their planes. Um, yeah, most of the airlines were just grounding them. So Iceland Air was still operating, getting Icelandic, Icelandic people back into Iceland, but they weren't taking anyone out. Yeah. Um, so my British Airway flight takes off and I land in Lutton. And I didn't even know this, right? So I had a flight. I didn't know London has three airports and they're all like fucking a massive distance away from each other. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I landed. Oh, such a, you should write a book called The Naive Traveller. Yeah. So it's like I land in Lutton in London and it's like eight at night or nine o'clock at night. It's a fucking ghost town. I'm walking around like, what the hell? And my next air, my next flight's from Gatwick the next day. Yeah. And I'm like, I walk around Lutton Airport. There's no good place to sleep. How far from there to Gatwick? 45 minutes on the train. Okay. It's not too bad. Yeah. But if you got an Uber, like, because we didn't know if the trains were running. All the buses, mm. the buses were cancelled. They weren't running. And I thought I was going to have to get an Uber or um, or a taxi, which is going to, I looked it up, it was like 250 pound or something, like something ridiculous. So I get on the, I get on the train and I go, and I'm the only person on the train. We go through London I'm the only person on the train. I'm thinking, and it was like 9.30 by this stage at night. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Mm. And the only people I did see are wearing like a face mask and gloves. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this shit's getting real. So I get to Gatwick Airport. Is that you? Is that me outside? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I thought that was rain for a second. It's a bean Sorry, bag. it was a beanbag. <laughs> yeah, well, I, get to, um, I get to Gatwick Airport. And you can still move. That's okay. <laughs> and again, there's no, wait, there's no one in Gatwick Airport. I'm like, what the fuck? But all the cafes are shut down. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to sleep in this cafe. Yeah. And I go to lay down. And I'm like, it's fucking freezing. So I open up my bag, get out my big jacket. I'm like, why the fuck that, is this that so cold? That bean bag that was, uh, <laughs> that, that 40 degree bean bag <laughs> would have been good. Yeah, the sleeping bag. Yeah, yeah it was left in Iceland. <laughs> yeah. But I found out the next morning, because they were shutting down all the airports and all the f- flights and everything, mm. they'd turn the heat off in oh, the airport. Whoa. I don't know, know exactly why. I don't know. It might be a theory to keep the homeless out. I don't know. But anyway, again, the next morning, I'm just praying on, please, please don't cancel my flight. Because again, I'm looking at these, um, at the screens at the airport and there's Everything's cancelled. Cancel, cancel, cancel. Mm. cancel. So I'm sitting there going, fuck, please, please, please. So my flight part was with Emirates. So London, Dubai, Dubai, Sydney. Yeah. And right. you're flying out with Emirates out yeah. of Gatwick. So my gate opens. I think there's only another flight leaving Gatwick that day. Oh, sorry. Did you end up Ubering or training to? No, I trained. Okay. And it was dead? Yeah. And then I just slept in the airport. Yeah. The next day, I think... Was anyone on the train? No, it... Nah, it was just me. <laughs> it, wasn't me. it was just me everywhere. So I hadn't really seen anyone. And then the next morning, I get up and there's a few people walking around the airport, but everyone that is is wearing the big mask, everything, right? So I go in to check in. 
There's a nice lady there. She greets me really nicely with Emirates. It's like pretty much the only flight that's leaving. The only people in the airport. There's a few people lined up. I check in. I said, hey, is this plane going? She's like, yep, it's definitely going. It's all good. So I'm like, sweet. So I put my surfboards through. I go through immigration. I go into like the airport, you know, and I go find my lounge and I'm like, all right, well, I've got a couple of hours. So I go get something to eat. There was one, not a cafe. All the cafes were shut, but there was like a corner store left open, but everything, because I had to shut, like I think they had like a day left of trading. So everything was like 70% off. So I went and bought like a couple of snacks or whatever. And I'm sitting at the fucking, um, so like about two hours goes by and I'm sitting at the gate waiting to board. And I've got like 15 minutes before the plane, like playing boards. And I'm sitting on my phone playing a word game. And next thing, this flight attendant comes in front of me. And she's like, oh, Aaron? And I was like, look up. And I was like, yes. And she's like, I've been looking for you everywhere. And I look it up and I just see this look in her face. And I'm like, oh no, my heart just sinks. Mm. I'm about to board a flight to like Australia pretty much, to Dubai, then Dubai to Sydney. And I'm thinking, yeah, like, well, you know, I'm on the home run. And I look up and she just looks at me on this face. She's like, um, Aaron? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, um, you need to come with me. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah. Um, Were you like, yes, first, first class upgrade? No, she's, she's like looking at me with like fear and she goes, I can't let you on this plane. And I was like, what, what do you mean you can't? let me on this plane. And she's like, you, you need to come with me now. Like we, we don't have no t- any time. And I was like, she's like, I'll explain on the way. And I was like, what? Because the plane's about to leave. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? And so I get up and she's like, and we start walking. She's like, look, um, there was, and she said this to me really quickly. She was like, look, the, the next flight, she's like, I can't let you on this one because Dubai airport shutting down. Emirates is um, like um, grounding all their planes. Is Your flight from Dubai to Australia. Mm-hmm. Was that with Emirates? Yep. Okay. So this is the thing. So my flight was only a third of the way full from um, London to Dubai. Yep. Then from Dubai to Sydney, there was three flights leaving um, within two hours from each other to go to Sydney. Because Emirates was grounding all their fleet and everything, they're trying to save as much money as they could. And this is literally what the lady told me. Mm. So they took all three flights, Right. The last flight was the one, I was on the, the middle flight, not the first and not the third. And what they did is they took all the passengers off all those flights and canceled the first two flights and put them all on the third flight. Yeah. Now that filled up the plane. This is what the lady was telling you. Yeah, yeah, that filled up the plane, right? But they had 10 spare or eight, I think it was eight or 10 spare first class seats, right? And they had five extra passengers that they couldn't fit on the plane yeah so because i booked not through emirates because i booked through kiwi.com i paid a cheaper price i paid like 700 or 800 less than what other people paid yeah now normally in this situation point members like i've traveled all around the world i know this it's like point members get upgraded when this stuff happens it's like they upgrade the emirates um point members to first class and then their economy seat is the one that you get. Yeah. I th- and what she said to me, she said to me, look, it's just business. Because they're about to ground their plates for what they that they don't know. And instead of upgrading anyone, there's now eight first-class seats they can sell. And she's like, you need to come with me straight away. 
And I was like, what? she's like, we have, we have a seat for you, but you've got to pay for it. And I'm like, what? I've, but I've already got a ticket. I've already paid for this flight. And she's like, no, like you need to buy a first class ticket. And she takes me to security and she's like, takes me back through security. Yeah. And there's another guy there, a security guard with my surfboards waiting for me. And she just turns to me and she's like, look, I'm, I'm so sorry. And I was like, well, how much is the ticket? And she goes, 6,000 euro. And I go. On top of what you've already paid. Yeah. And I go, what? 6,000 euro. And I go, but I don't have that amount of money. Yeah. And she's like, and she's like oh, I know. Like I'm looking at a human being here. She she wasn't at this stage like even though she was representing the company, she's just doing what it was just her job. Yeah, and she was coming at me with like as a human. She had tears in her eyes, and she's like looking at me and she's like, "It's it's six thousand dollars, like six thousand euro. That's ten thousand. I think it was ten and a half thousand Aussie dollars." So why didn't they bump somebody to first class and put you in the? Because they had eight seats. They're going to make eighty grand. Did she say that? She yeah, she said it's just business. So she's looking at me with tears in her eyes and I was like, but and I was like, but I'm going to be stranded here. And she's like, you need to make a decision right now. And I was like, but I don't have that amount of money. And I start this is the first time in my life I started having a panic attack. I suddenly couldn't mm. breathe. And like I was like, I suddenly couldn't breathe. The whole world started spinning around me because suddenly I'm like in this airport. I'm in fucking London. This was my worst fear because if I stayed in Iceland, I had community. I had yeah. people to look after me. Once I left that, no matter where I ended up and got stuck on the way, that's where I was going to be stuck. I didn't know anyone in London. I didn't know anyone. I don't know anyone in England. Like at least in Iceland, I had community and that's why I was fully running the gauntlet. Could you leave London? Oh, sorry. Could you leave the airport at London if you wanted to? Yeah. Was that possible? Yeah. Okay. Because so I left, I left Lutton Airport to, to Gatwick. Yeah. And so I'm there and she's like, Aaron, Aaron. And at this stage, it's like the whole world is spinning around me. There's just, and it's like, I've gone into these days of like, just even trying to breathe, trying to fathom what's going on. Yeah. You know, and this is like, this is where I kind of understand fear because it's just like, I got so overcome with fear of the unknown. And she's like, ne- next thing I come back to consciousness kind of thing with this echoing voice, like Aaron, Aaron. Aaron, you need to make a decision right now, right now. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't have that money. And she's like, and I start like, man, my eyes were getting watery. I was started panicking. And I just remember saying to myself, like going, fucking like, you got a man up here. You got a man up. You got to deal with it. It's not going to get you anywhere. Like just breathe, breathe, breathe. Cause yeah, like I started no having point. a panic attack cause I was going to be stranded in fucking London, man. Like all the borders are shutting down. Everything was fucking shutting down. I didn't have any money. Like, I'd used all the money I had for that flight. Yeah. So, I'm like, fuck. So, like, she takes me out. She's like, you, you've got to, I'm taking you to the sales desk. You've got to figure it out there. She's like, and she just looks at me and she's like, look, I, I'm just so sorry. And I think that's when she's, she said to me, look, I'm just so sorry. It's just business. Fuck. You know, because I said to her, because I said to her, I go, surely an airline wouldn't do this. They'll bump someone up. Surely you wouldn't, you wouldn't leave someone stranded. Like, I'm going to be stuck away from my family and everything. Like, you, you wouldn't do that. Like, yeah. you wouldn't do that. And she, she had tears in her eyes. Like, I'm, and I'm sorry for that poor girl. Like, it, I th- I've thought about that a lot since then. It was so hard for her to do that. Yeah. And that sucks. It's like, and I wondered what I would be like in that situation if I could do that. Or would I walk away from that job from a company that would do something like that? So I'm like, holy shit. So... 
she just says to me, look, it's just, it's just business and walked away with tears. And I was sitting there like, like just freaking. So I'm at the sales desk now and I'm looking there and there's five other people there. Right. And so this now I'm lined Emirates up. Yeah. So now desk. I'm at the yeah. Emirates sales de- desk at Gatwick airport. There's this couple in front of me and they're crying an Australian couple. And I look at them and I'm like, have you guys been bumped off? And five people had been bumped off that flight. And there was eight or 10, I can't remember. I think it was eight first class seats going for $10,000 Aussie, right? This guy with his girlfriend, she's crying. And I'm like, what, what's happening? And, and she had bought her flight mm. with Emirates points. He had booked his flight with um or she yeah she had booked it with her dad's flybys yeah with emirates he had booked his flight through skyscanner through a third party like i had yeah so he got bumped off she didn't and she stayed with him so he's been taken off the plane they've got 15 minutes to make this decision before what we've gotten told by the government by everything that everything's shutting down it's like now or never so they're like sir you need to pay 10 grand to get on this flight and he's like, I don't have that money. And she's crying and everything. And he just turns to her and um, he's like, I don't have that money. And she's like, you've got your dad's credit card number. It's okay, like blah, blah. And he's like, I don't, we can't, we can't afford that. Mm. And this is the irony of this. It was his 30th birthday this day. <laughs> this day was his 30th birthday. And I look and I was like, like, dude, I was like, maybe there's another way. Maybe we can get another flight. And... She goes, I'm not leaving you. And he turns to her and goes, look, you go, go get on this flight. I'll figure out another way. Like as in like, he'll come with me, we'll figure out another way. And she starts screaming, man, it was like a fucking movie scene in the airport. She starts screaming, holding onto him going, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. She's bawling. He's now got tears in his eyes and he's mm. like, go, go. Like just leave, I'll figure it out. I'll meet you in Australia. I'll figure it out. And she's like, I'm not leaving you. It's only money. It's only money. We can do this. We can do this. I'm not leaving you. And I just see him take this deep breath, man. I just see, I just see him swallow it. He mm. just swallows it and he just turns and goes, okay, give me the fucking ticket. Gives the dad's credit card number. He pays 10 it. grand. And he just goes, and he just looks at me and goes, happy fucking 30th birthday. He goes, I'll be paying that off for a while. And I was just like, man, like, and I'm looking and I'm like, holy shit. And by this set, like, I'm just like kind of taking it in. I'm, and, I, and I start looking around me. And the people around me, all I'm seeing is fear. And I'm like looking around. Everyone's like covered up and shit. No one knows what's happening. It's just like fucking fear in the airport. And this is when I was really starting noticing it. And I really noticed that everyone around me was like fucking was either scared shitless or crying. Yeah. And I just take a step back because then they are, they go, oh, um, I take a step back. I'm like, fuck. And I call my sister. And I'm like, this is what's happened. I've been kicked off this flight. I don't know what to do, blah, blah. And she's like, fuck. And she's like, all right, I'm on, I'm on the computer. Let's get your flight. Let's get your flight. Before you go there, did Emirates send a plane with empty seats in the end? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But that'd be an, you that'd know be what? an interesting question is to, is to <laughs> figure you, out, did you, did you guys send a, a would, plane with empty seats? Well, you, you want to know something? Mm. we tracked that flight from dubai because that flight was like another by the time the one that we're on landed in dubai and then it was like a six hour stopover and then that one leaving we were looking it up on emirates.com 
and there were still seats in first class for sale. So we were sitting there fuming when we were stranded in London that they had seats for sale still on that plane. So this is why passionately, passionately, Hmm. I'm going to say, fuck you, Emirates. (laughs) (laughs) Because what they did, they made a decision purely business-based to make money and said, like, fuck you to humanity. They said, fuck you to, like, people getting home to their families, to their loved ones. And so I had this sour taste in my mouth at the time for because I've been screwed over so many times by by airplane companies. But it's not like it's the end of the world. You can still get home it's, but mm. this time. Yeah, like I, I, fuck, I got screwed with my surfboards in Florida for 500 bucks. Mm. Like it's just like, but anyway. So I'm sitting there and I was like, so I'm suddenly on the phone to my sister and she's like, and she's like, all right, I'm on the phone to Qantas. I'm online and blah, blah. And then she's like going, oh, I found this flight, like blah, blah. And she's like, by this stage, she's like, no book and third party. We can only book, book a flight. Airline, and yeah. as she's looking, everything she's looking, everything's canceled. Everything's fucking grounded. There is nothing happening. And I'm like, she's like, oh, I'll call you back. Keep your phone on you. Keep your phone on you. And she's like, um, next thing she calls me back and she's like, just get to Heathrow. Any flight path that I've looked at, um, she's like, 90% of the flight paths all go from Heathrow Airport. She's like, just get yourself to Heathrow. So she's I'm taking a, a punt that it's gonna that, yeah. she, that a flight from Heathrow is going to be there. Yeah. So I'm in Gatwick Airport and my sister's like, just get to fucking Heathrow. Right? So I take a step out of the line trying to think of like what I should do. And I look and there's this fucking young girl next to me. And I, go, and I turn around and I go, are you stranded? And she's like, yeah. And I was like where are you from? She's like, oh, I'm from Wagga Wagga, like out near Wagga Wagga. Her name was Ella. She was 18 years old. She was out on a gap year. And she goes, and I go, what are you going to do? And she goes, I'm scared to tell my dad that the flights are $10,000 because he'll pay it Mm. and he doesn't have the money. But right now he'll do anything to get, to get me home. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. And I was like, and, and, and I go, so you live here, do you? She's like, yeah. And I go, well, my sister just told me like Heathrow, might have some flights and she's like oh no i know how to get there we can get the bus and i was like well do, i was like does your dad have 10 like are you going to do that she's like i'm not doing it she's like i'd rather fucking like she literally said to me which is probably an exaggeration at the time but she's like i'd rather fucking um die than let my dad pay that amount of money you know mm. obviously an exaggeration but she was just like i'm not even like so she's like let's get to heathrow so she calls her parents and she goes we heard there's some better flight path at Heathrow, blah, blah. So her parents start getting on online and start looking for flight paths, start looking for flights, right? I call my sister. I'm like, I'm going to lose reception because I'm only on Wi-Fi. I'm like, I'm on my way to Heathrow. I'll be there in an, uh, might've been an hour, hour and a half, two hours. I can't remember. I feel like you, for some reason, I feel like you messaged me saying I'm going to Heathrow. Mm. I can't remember. I'd have to look back, but. By this stage, I'd mm. put it on social media that I was like stranded, I think. And, and so we go out and we get, yeah, we get, so my sister is just, she's oh, sorry, panicking. This, this girl went with you to Heathrow? So me and this like yeah. young girl, like, all right, that's our only, only hope. There's nothing else in Gatwick. We'd ask, there's nothing else going on in Australia. By this stage, most, most countries like had, um, so Dubai was shutting down. Most countries that had their flight path to Australia had shut and most airline. Airlines had grounded, grounded their plane. So by this stage, our pickings was very slim, right? 
So my sister's like, just get to Heathrow. So we get on the bus. My sister calls Qantas. She's just on hold. From the first moment um, I said I'd been kicked off, she called Qantas and was on hold. She ended up being on hold for like fucking eight or nine hours or something. My sister's just on the phone. So I had to start calling her um, boyfriend, Shiv. So Shiv is communicating with me through, and they're on the line trying to get a flight because they've seen this one flight with Qantas. My sister's just like, I'm going to call Qantas to make sure this one doesn't get cancelled. She just wanted to be on the phone to find out before, you know. It's funny you say they're on hold because I remember seeing um, something on Facebook, uh, I think it was on the news, about places like um, Flight Center and, um, and even, you know, I guess Qantas as well. Like people, their phone lines are getting blogged with people saying, hey, you're cancelling my flight out of Australia. Yeah. Like people are saying, hey, you're cancelling my holiday flight. People are more worried about that um, that situation. Yeah. And um, But what they want to do, they're telling people not to call in unless it's uh, about getting home. Yeah. So they're they trying want, to get Aussies yeah, home. They're trying they? to get people home. People just didn't understand what was happening. Like, So me and this young girl, Ella, like she's only 18, man. And like straight up, I've looked at her and I was like, fuck, I've got to... I've got to look after this chick, but it's so weird because we we're both so scared and both like in panic mode. And as soon as like her and I like kind of joined forces, like went as a team, it was just the com- it was just so much comfort because like she was in the same predicament as I was. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just kind of put light, and we were able to like think more rationally because I wasn't by myself anymore. Yeah, yeah, you're sharing your emotions with somebody. Yeah, so we jump on the um, so we jump on the bus and we're heading there, and. It was weird. The bus had Wi-Fi on it, but it wouldn't work. So I'm trying to connect to the Wi-Fi the whole time, but it wouldn't go through. About halfway into the, um, about halfway into the freaking bus ride, the Wi-Fi flicked on, or like it worked, and I get this message from my mum, going, "Get hold of Emma ASAP. She needs your passport details. She's getting you a flight." Mm. And I'm like, "Fuck! I can't yeah, get can't them to it. her." <laughs> So anyway, by the time we get to Heathrow, the whole, this whole time I'm free, you know, it's it's a very anxiety moment. You know, it's the longest freaking bus ride. We get to the airport, straight on, get on Wi-Fi. My sister's like, I got you the last flight. I've got you the last flight. Um, it's in two nights, two days time on Qantas. And she's in like, I've got days. you the last seat Yeah. on like the last flight kind of thing. And I'm like, holy fuck. And then... Ella gets the same phone call. She's like, when she first got on, a family friend of theirs booked her a flight on the same plane. Oh, wow. Because it had like five seats. I think she got the fifth last seat and I got the last seat. <laughs> so then we get to Heathrow Airport and we line up. There's this line for Qantas and we line up and they're like, look, we don't know what's happening. We don't know if that flight's going to go in two days. All we know is like, and the flight, there was a flight that was full that day leaving. And so like we're, we're looking, we're like, all right, where's our other flight plus? So we go to Cathay Pacific and everything's really expensive but also getting cancelled. And so there's no... Because we're like, all right, we've got this one flight, but it's in two days and we don't know what's going to happen in the next two days. So you've got no certainty that any that any plane's going to leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we've got one flight in two days, but we, we can't bank on that because everything's escalating so quick. So we still need to try to get a flight out today. And we go everywhere. Everywhere's booked out. Everywhere's all just cancelled or booked out. So we're like, holy fuck, this is our only... It comes down to it that it's our only option. So you're stuck at Heathrow for two days. Yeah, so we're stuck at Heathrow. That afternoon, so this is like mid-morning, that afternoon, so her and I, like Ella and I, just like, all right, let's just park up, blah, blah. So we park up and then all the throughout that day, the heat throws was already pretty quiet as it was, except for stranded travelers. We're at Terminal 4. And throughout that day, it just got quieter and quieter 
as London grounds its planes, as everything just starts shutting down. That afternoon, I think the Prime Minister comes on and says, we're shutting down London. No one's allowed to leave their homes, all the shopping malls, everything's shutting down. So they literally, so while I was there, everything goes into lockdown. So I'm sitting there and like, so we're just sitting at the airport. We're like, all right, now we're at this, like at this dead airport. Just And it's and it's a dodgy airport. It's a dirty airport. And we're sitting there on these dirty ripped seats and we're sitting there. And Heathrow is giant though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it, had it has like it has different five terminals, terminals yeah, I think. Okay, I got you. Not knowing the fifth one was the better one. <laughs> so we're sitting there and like, it starts like getting kind of weird. Like weird people start coming around us. Like around like the part, like the seating where we were, like how many how many stranded travellers were near? Well, that was probably about twenty. And then like we're just sitting down, Ellen and I are just hanging out throughout the afternoon, laying there, like just hanging out, playing games on our phone, chatting or whatever. And then it was so weird. Like I didn't really notice that the travellers that were stranded started leaving, and other people were replacing them. Mm. But there was still the same amount of people around us. And next thing, these three dodgy Eastern European guys walk over and I've got my surfboard bag and um, open because I was using the top of my surfboard bag to lie on on the floor. And I've got my bag there and everything and it's next to like these chairs that I was sitting on, but I was just over um, talking to Ella. And these three guys come and sit over my surfboard bag on these chairs right next to my bag. And I was like, oh, sorry guys, here I'm moving. And they're like, no, no, it's all cool, it's all cool. And I was like... You know, he told me not to. I was like, all right. So I sit there. I'm looking at him going, fuck, these guys are dodgy, man. They look like gangsters. And I'm sitting there and I look over and they're like looking at my stuff. I'm like, no. Nah. And I was like, oh, here, I'll move it for you. He's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I'm watching at him. Then, and then one of them gets up and walks past the phone charging station mm. and stops and kind of has a look and looks around and then. Walks off and goes to the toilet. I'm like, oh, that was odd. Then he comes back and he's like looking around the phone charging station again. He's looking around. Next thing he comes back and sits back down there and I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, these are fucking gangsters. <laughs> and I nod Ella and I was like, Ella, look at these guys. I'm like. Were there spare seats around? Spread out, it was like every kind of like row of seats had people like laying or blah blah. Yeah. So I ended up just getting up and like zipping up my stuff and like moving it towards me and all that. Like, yeah, sorry guys, just doing it. Because I, I noticed that iron off my shit. Next thing, this fucking like argument breaks out. And I'm like looking at I'm like, what the fuck is going on? There's people are arguing. What, across from you? Yeah, like over from us. And I'm like looking and it's like this guy with like kind of like no teeth and I'm like, and he's like being like hysterical and like argue, and I was just like nothing was making sense. And I start looking around, and I go to Ella. I was like, "Wait, look at the people that are around us." And like scattered within that was a couple of stranded travelers. Mm. And this Asian girl gets up and goes, "Oh, hey, can you um, watch my stuff for a second? I need to go to the toilet." I was like, "Yeah, no worries." So she gets up, this backpacker goes to the bathroom, and these three Yugoslavian guys start checking out a gear. I'm like, fuck. And I'm looking around. And I go to Ellen. I was like, look at all the people around us. I'm like, this is not right. I'm like, these are all homeless people. Mm. And she's like, what? No. And she starts looking. And they're fucking... Were they homeless or were they just dodgy? Both. 
all mm. dodgy and homeless and just like one person started singing hysterically and there's like all oh, oh, this weird stuff going on what was the argument about with that guy it, literally it was it was about because this lady was singing and this guy's like e-, like it just it was like literally like two really i think they're on ice or something like i'm yeah. talking like proper like drugged up people like they were off their heads and next thing this um this this black guy gets up and starts blowing up at the yugoslavs about stealing his phone mm. and like they start having this big argument i'm just like what the hell is well, right on? at your chair <laughs> yeah and then next thing he leaves and the next thing a whole heap of police rock up and they grab the yugoslavian guys and drag him away and like um well first they start questioning him, what are you doing here and everything and then they um i don't know if they arrest him but they drag him away i'm sitting i'm looking around i'm like holy shit. so i get up and i go up to the police and i was like excuse me like I was like, what's happening here? And he's like, mate, like London, like they've shut down. The prime minister shut down London today. It's in lockdown. And he said, so all the homeless people have taken refuge in the airport. Oh, shit. And he's like, so they've started robbing people. And he's like, mate, it's not safe here. Like, you, And I was like, we're going to sleep here. I was like, we're stranded. We're trying to get back to Australia. And he's like, mate, he's like, it's not safe. And I was like, well, where can we go? And he's like, mate, can you get to Terminal 5? Um, and then the other policeman comes over and goes, nah, he's like, they've cancelled the taxis, Ubers aren't working, and the bus has stopped. He's like, you can't get to Terminal 5. And I was like, shit, and I said to him, I've got this young 18-year-old girl. I was like, there's a Chinese girl over there too, like stranded. And like, this is weird. And he's like, mate, you, yeah, you don't want to be here. Um, this guy, like they're blowing up because that guy just stole their phone. The Yugoslav stole the, the black guy's phone. Um, and... Then they've stolen another traveler's backpack. Someone's yeah. backpack's been stolen. He's like, mate, like, he's like, if you sleep here, you're going to sleep with one eye open. I was like, well, what can we do? And he's like, so the coppers go, hey, there's a cafe because the cafe's all shut down. They shut down all the cafes. He's like, there's a cafe down there. Go sleep in it. So we're like, all right. So we get this uh, stranded traveler. Oh, this is this Asian girl. And we take her, the three of us are walking. And we see this other um, girl from like maybe Holland, maybe. Mm. And she's stranded as well. And we said to her like, and she's and she was sitting there like really scared because she's seen all these homeless people. Um, Getting into arguments and stuff. Yeah, all yeah. this weird stuff going on. So I said, we're going to go sleep in this cafe. You want to come? She's like, yeah. So like we get to this cafe and there's all chairs barricading it. So we move the chairs <laughs> and we go in and there's one. Build a fort. <laughs> yeah. And there's one homeless guy sleeping in there already and another stranded traveler. Yeah. And we're like, oh, so anyway, so we build a little fort and it's scary, man. It's scary because we have no idea what's going on. Plus, there's supposedly this virus, you know, happening. And everyone that we do see is wearing like freaking masks and like um, full body things. Hazmat suits and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so, so we go to sleep. Next thing, I get kicked at like four in the morning. Someone kicks me and I open up and it's airport security. What are you doing here in here? Like... I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they're like, get out and start like, um, yeah, just start blowing up at us. Did you explain to him that you were Yeah, and I, tr- I tried to explain. And he yeah. was like, get out. This is like, we've shut this down, you know, blah, blah. So basically airport security came at about 4 a.m. And, and started trying to kick out all the homeless people. Next thing they've come into this cafe that's supposed to be barricaded off and there's mm. people sleeping in there. So by this stage, they're like heightened, they're angry. Yeah, so yeah, next yeah. thing, like we cop this kick and um, they kick us out. So we're like, fuck, where are we going to go to sleep? So we go back down into the terminal, like where you kind of check in or whatever. And I, I just get my air map back out that I travel with, like 
um, for camping and I just put that down and I just go back to sleep kind of thing. Next thing, the, the airport security probably three hours later come back down to us, the, the people that kicked us and told us to get out. She came down and apologized and she's like, look, I'm so sorry. We didn't, because we, we told them, the police told us to come in here. They're like, look, we're so sorry. We just found out about all the reports that happened overnight. We had no idea what you guys went through, mm. blah, blah. We're sorry for like reacting that way. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, they're like, obviously you're scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to spend a whole nother day in the airport and same thing. It just kept escalating. So anyway, Qantas desk opens back up and I go up and talk to him. And we're like, cause it's announced. It's like one day before we're supposed to fly. Like it's getting within 24 hours and Qantas is, the desk is opened up and I'm going up and the lady there was so nice. And I was like, compared to Emirates, right? I said to her like, you know, we just want to make sure, like, is this flight going to happen tomorrow? And she's like, look, the flight is coming from Australia to here. It's in the air. So it has to leave. And she's so like flying a, a plane back. Yeah. So they're flying people from England. Mm. No, back to Australia. She's like, it has to leave. I mean, it has to, it's coming back and it's a Qantas plane. So it has to get back to Australia. Yeah. She's like, so it has to leave unless, unless um, Heathrow Airport don't let it. She goes, but we've got one problem. And I was like, what's that? And she's like, Every, um, she's like, every country that we can stop in to refuel won't let us. They've shut all their borders. So, yeah. so they're like, we're trying to work it out so we can get you guys home. How long's the flight from London to Australia? Oh, I think it was like 22 hours, 24 hours. And no, and airports were closed, wouldn't even let planes land so you refuel. Couldn't, yeah, so you couldn't land in Singapore, you couldn't land anywhere. So they're like, look, we're looking at going um, to Darwin. So I see these two Qantas oh, pilots. So what was the original place you're landing at? Um, I don't even know what that flight was. Either Singapore or I don't even know. And then to what Sydney? And then to Sydney. But that changed to Darwin. Yeah. So okay. I see these two um, pilots, and I go up to these pilots, and I was like, "Oh, these Qantas pilots." And I go up, and I'm like, "Mate, we're supposed to be on this plane tomorrow. Is it leaving?" And they're like, "Actually, our mates fly on that plane. They're trying to get clearance right now and get enough fuel to get you guys to Darwin." They're trying to figure it out. He's like, you might get stranded in Darwin. We don't know because mm. states are shutting down in Australia. Um, and everything from overseas travelers, they're like, we might get used to Darwin. You just have to do 14 days quarantine. We have no idea, but we're just trying to, get, trying to organize it to get to Darwin. I'm like, sweet. All right, cool, cool, cool. So then anyway, the next day, it's time to fucking check in. We're like, yes, <laughs> it's happening. And I start talking to the lady. Again, this Qantas lady's like, she's like, look, I'm trying to get as many Australians home as possible. I don't care if I get fired. We're not up in the prices. Um, we're selling tickets on this plane. Like, we're, we're trying to get as many of you home as possible. They'll be so helpful rather than like, and so coming from Emirates and having that treatment to this, I was like, holy fuck, this is so, so amazing. So this is the first time in history. So they get clearance to get, the plane to fly straight to Darwin. We're on a 7380 from memory. Now, to get such a long distance is the first time a 7380 has, it's the longest commercial flight a 7380 has ever done. But to do that, it had to fill up completely with fuel. So it had mm. to take so much weight on with fuel, it couldn't fill up with passengers just to make it there. So what they did is to get as many passengers on as possible, they diverted their luggage. And they're asking people, they're like, how important is your luggage to you? <laughs> you know and i like i'm saying to people like like i said to them like yeah just whatever i just want to get home i say well what they're doing there was a, a Cathay pacific flight going to hong kong with chinese people stuck in london but then from 
Hong Kong that was picking up Australian stranded travellers and taking them to Sydney. Yeah. And it was going to land two hours before our plane was supposed to land. So they're like, we're going to try to divert as much luggage as we can through China because that flight wasn't full. Oh, so so good. Yeah. So like, meanwhile, not that we that we didn't know at this stage because Qantas had grounded all its crews. Yeah. They were still doing this flight. So the flight attendants volunteered on this flight to get the stranded Australians home. So right now... Well, so we've they got, said they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to do it. No. They've, yeah. So they've put this flight on to get a stra- like to get stranded Australians home. Hmm. They've put as much fuel as they can in just to, so I can make it to Australia. They're diverting as much luggage as they can so they can fit as many people on. And in their eyes, what everything they were saying is they're like, we're just trying to get as many people home as we can. Yeah. You know? And I'm just like, oh my, I'm looking at Qantas right now, just like they're fucking heroes. Yeah, fuck yeah. Shout out to Qantas. Yeah. So we're finally at the terminal and I'm sitting there and like we're at the terminal getting ready to board. Everyone's got the face masks on. Um, We've been given hand cleaner and everything. We're getting all this like COVID stuff, like blah, blah. And I'm sitting there and this guy starts complaining in front of me going, my luggage better make it, blah, blah, like, you know, and, and I just turned to him and I go, are you fucking serious, mate? I go, are you fucking serious? And he looks at me and I was like, are you, are you worried about your luggage? Like a couple of jumpers in a backpack yeah, not making it to Australia over over a human being making it back to their family and being stranded overseas. And he's like, oh, and I was like, mate, are you fucking kidding? Do you realize what they're doing just to get people home? I'm like, fuck your backpack, mate. Like, seriously. And he just looks and he, like, I, I was a little bit harsh about it. I wasn't aggressive or mean about it, but I did put it into perspective for it. And he was just like, oh, yeah, wow. And I was Came like, mate, we're, we're in a time right now that it's just about getting home. It's not about our luggage. It's like, yeah. So we get on the, the flight and it's a huge flight, you know. There's people coughing. <laughs> there's people <laughs> coughing. <laughs> So anyway, without, like, a da- without a doubt, there's probably somebody who came back with it because they, what did they say? Most cases in Australia mm. came back from people traveling overseas. Yeah. Okay. So we land in Darwin. No one's allowed to get off. We land in Darwin and the fucking plane breaks down in Darwin. The air cuts off. So there's no air on the plane. It starts getting really hot and they're like, oh my God, we're not allowed to disembark because of the COVID thing. It goes on for about 40 minutes where people start panicking. Mm. The plane's getting hot. It's getting low of oxygen. They're trying to get the technicians on. Trying and it's to, Darwin. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get the aircon going, right? Um, meanwhile, when we have landed, there's been a big cheer because we've suddenly hit Australia, you know. But they've said to us, no, they've, they've got clearance to land in Darwin and then take on to Sydney. Not knowing until after when I was doing my 14-day isolation because I got contacted to make sure I didn't have any symptoms. Yeah. At this stage, someone was really sick on the plane. It was in the front of the plane, not anywhere near where I was, got taken off and, t- and taken straight to the hospital with COVID-19. Oh, in Darwin. In Darwin. Oh, wow. So that's, that was happening on the plane while all this shit was going on. And we didn't know this. Obviously, they, they didn't want to panic someone, but someone went landed in Australia and went straight to the hospital with COVID-19. Yeah, what's the point of telling the plane? Yeah. They'll freak out. So anyway, we take off. We fly to Darwin. We're landing. We land in Darwin and we're on the tarmac, you know, tra- like trafficking in or whatever they call it, like mm. going in. And, and next thing, this flight attendant gets on over the two-way and she's like, look, this has been, I've heard stories about everyone being stranded. This has been the most emotional thing I've ever gone through in my life. 
we just want to say we all volunteered because we wanted many, as many Australian souls to get home as possible. And she starts crying. I've mean, got the shivers telling this. She starts crying while she's saying this. Yeah. And I've got a, a video of the lady, the girl next to me um, filmed this. Um, and she just like kind of gives love to everyone. And, and, and then the whole plane just uproars and starts cheering and mm. there's people crying. Like the, there was a guy sitting in front of me and he just broke down in tears. Yeah. Because it wasn't just me. Like I just, it wasn't just me stranded and I'm like sitting around the world watching all this fear go on and everything shut down. I was like, everyone had this heightened level of fear where they're going to get stranded away. Like, like right now it's like sitting here, it's like, oh, yeah, COVID's old news kind of thing. But it's like, at the time it was like, it was the beginning of it and no one knew what was happening. Yeah. And people were getting stranded and like it was like such the fear of the unknown. And we all made it home because of a volunteered flight crew. Mm. So it was like and it was an it was an expensive thing. I think I lost about two grand in Iceland, I lost two grand with Emirates, and now they're actually trying not to give the money back. Yeah, so they didn't refund you. No, it's they said it'd be six months to refund. Not the money. And now a they're actually trying deal. to yeah, I've got a they're actually there's a big thing going on where a lot of people aren't getting their money back. Um, and then and I think it cost another two and a half grand for that Qantas flight. Yeah. So my sister paid, so I owe my, I owe my sister a bit of money now, but that was the thing. My sister, she was just like, I don't give a fuck about the money. I'm just going to get you home. Shout out to your sister. Yeah. Emma. <laughs> so, yeah. So we get, we get to Australia and we get out in Australia and I'm in Sydney. It's a fucking ghost town. Now I've got to get a bus north and they've, We've gone through the line, like we've come off the plane and they've got this line of fucking oh. nurses to check every person. Okay, I was going to ask that because um, because after you got back, um, there were people coming off flights. Um, I can't remember where they were coming from though. Or it might have been before you got back and they weren't checking anyone. They were just letting people line up. There was no 1.5 meter rules. You know, nobody was really policing that at all. It was just line up and get through immigration. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you when you got back, what... Was it like? No, we, we all got given face masks. We all got given hand. Oh, no, we didn't get given hand. We all got given face masks and gloves. Oh, wow. Um, we all got checked by nurses and asked, but it, was like a, it wasn't like it wasn't a swab or anything. And we all had to sign waivers that we're going to do 14-day isolation. And on our trip home, we're going to like stay 1.5 meters away from people. Mm. So I had to get a bus six hours north to Crescent Head. Yeah. So what I've done is I've called a neighbor of mine to get my car and drop it off at the bus station in Kempsey where I'm getting the bus to. So he's done that. Now, so I'm on the bus north going, and I'm on the way to where I'm building a house in Crescent Head where I'm in the bush. I've got no power and no electricity. I haven't showered for <laughs> five days at this point. <laughs> I stink. I'm tired. I've hardly slept. I get the bus north. Everything's weird that's happening around me because all I'm seeing is fear. In Sydney, I'm seeing fear. Yeah. Everyone's wearing this stuff. I've suddenly just come into like hearing about this on the news a few days ago to suddenly just full ball pandemic going on. I get off the fucking bus and I see my car there. It's covered in fucking dirt and mud. My, my four-wheel drive, my troop carrier, which has got a bed in the back. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to go have a shower, sleep in the back of that car. You know, because I got the bed in the back and everything. And I'm like, thank God my, my neighbor dropped it off for me. And I go, he's hidden the keys for me. I grabbed the keys. I've opened the door. I've opened the door and I'm just fucking overcome with this stench. What the fuck is that smell? I'm like, fuck. 
I open up the door, I look in, like, my car's just trashed. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Go around the back, because I've got to put my surfboards in, I open the back door, and there's fucking mouse shit everywhere. <laughs> because I left my car, like, on my property, and we've got bush mice yeah. and everything. And they get in there. Dude, I left one packet of muesli bars. It didn't have muesli bars left, and it was the box with the wrappers. And they had made a nest. They made nests. They ripped up like my sheets, ate through all my clothes. It was in there. There must have been a family of bush mice in there for the last like freaking six weeks or whatever it was. And just went to town in my car and just made a freaking nest. Your poor neighbor had to drive it. Yeah. So, yeah, he said to me, he was like, I wonder what that smell was. I'm like, there's fucking mouse shit everywhere. <laughs> so now I'm like fucking disgusting. I haven't like showered in fucking days. I haven't slept. Now my only option to sleep is like, so. I drive back out through the bush, so tired, get to my place. It's like my house itself had bush mice in it. I'm like, fuck, I find an old swag. I roll that out, go to sleep, have a, have a decent sleep, wake up. Shower, I don't have a shower at my place yet. Get a bucket, have a wash, and just start fucking working, going to town <laughs> to get my place to a point where I can live in it. Did you ever stop and just have a little breakdown about what you just went through? No, I couldn't. I fucking couldn't. I just had to just... It, it was just a challenge, but I just had to fucking just man up and just do it. You know what I mean? It was one of those things. But the weirdest thing was I got to my place. I had no food, nothing. Like I had no food there, nothing. And so like I put a thing out to my neighbors and this was at the start of the pandemic or right in the middle of the pandemic kind of happening when all the borders mm. shut down. And the fear that I saw in everyone, like no one would come, not that I wanted anyone to come near me. No one would come like within a fucking hundred meters of me. And I was so lucky for one neighbor, he messaged me and goes, look, I'll go get you some food. So um, he went into town and just get, got me some basics. So I was for two weeks, I was just eating, you know, like I was just eating oats hmm. and I had some, um, he got me some wraps and I was just making some wraps and eating some oats and i was just sitting there and everything it was weird it was like humanity became illegal now it's like just like it's just mellowed out it's all cool yeah but i saw this thing in fear and i was like looking at this fear you know there's no toilet paper there's no so i just suddenly got home and all this stuff was happening and all i'm doing is seeing people freak out in fear and that gives me this deeper thing because i'm i start thinking about it i'm like what happens when you fear like at the what happens when you fear and it's throughout all history anyone that's ever feared when you fear, you die. Yeah. Like when you have the villain coming at you with the sword above you, like raised above to cut your head off. If you sit there and squeal and cry like the victim, you're just going to get your head cut off. But if yeah. you can rationalize, like have that fear and be like, okay, there's fear here, like rational fear and irrational fear. And I'm like, it was something to be feared and what was happening was something that you had to, you had to change and, make, and adapt to. But I just saw this fucking irrational fear being so stupid and just a panic. Well, they say that a lot, especially in things like um, in war or in just times where, where, you know, it's quite dangerous. The person who freaks out first is the one usually who dies. Yeah. And so I'm looking at that. I'm like looking at people around me. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, there's a virus going on. We need a fear, but it's like practical fear. Okay, we need a, we still need to love each other. We still need to look after each other. We're still community. And I started thinking about like, you know, and even controls like divide and conquer. I was like, how weak do we want to be as a people? You know, oh, what I mean? people got nuts. There was a guy, and I, th- I think I said it to you before we started. There's a guy in Melbourne who stabbed someone over toilet paper. Yeah, like, people lose their minds. I couldn't get over it, and it was like it was such a learning curve for me to see. And it was actually such a 
growing experience of like what rational and irrational fear is. It's just like it doesn't get you anywhere. Buying all that toilet paper or like or like panicking or being a victim doesn't get you anywhere in those mm. situations. It was like, and that was nearly what happened to me at the airport when Emirates told me that. I fucking couldn't breathe and I started like um, hyperventilating and I started like fucking going into a daze. I thought I was going to pass out almost. And I was like, fuck. And I just had to like try and say to myself, like, this isn't going to get me anywhere. Did you, did you Wim Hof breathe at all to get through it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was fucking doing. But I don't know. So now I'm, I'm back home and this is actually the most amazing thing that I've seen happening around me is that people are appreciating things because everyone's like life's been put on hold. Oh, and if yeah. you even look at social media, the amount of like people that are enjoying like the sunset. Oh man, people mm. are getting out and doing fit. I've never seen more people do fitness at the park than ever before. Like, like me and my girlfriend Tyler went out to a, a, a park <laughs> that's not usually that busy and it was packed. Like there was so many people out walking and riding bikes because all we could do is... I guess to do anything, we're allowed to go out to the shops or we're allowed to go exercise. That were the only reasons really to be out of your house. Yeah. So, it's actually yeah. so weird because down in Crescent Head where I am and I got out of isolation my 14 days and then I just, um, I only went to town three times just to get building materials and I've just been building and like really for the first time really like grounded on my land and really mm. appreciating and just like, because I'm not in a rush to get anything done. And because it's a tourist town, there's no tourists there. It's just the locals. And I had some of my local friends that have grown up there. Like Claude, she said to me, she goes, first time in my life I've been able to surf the point with just my friends. Mm. And I'm looking at the national park because it's all surrounded by national park around me and it's looking so healthy. The road there is so good. Like, because there isn't like people come there for the weekend just to like surf and party with their mate or camp out and they just, and people in numbers. It's just like, you know, you're going to have an effect on that place. And I'm like, seeing this, I'm like, wow. And then I just came up to the Gold Coast and went to go surf. And it's the complete opposite. It's so crowded because everyone is jobless. and Well, not everyone, but like so many people yeah, are jobless and everyone's time. just surfing. I was but like, they were saying like in places around the world that pollution's like dropped because mm. no one could go anywhere. I was having a good laugh saying that the Great Barrier Reef is probably <laughs> having the time of its life because there's no one out there. Yeah to uh, visit it i just can't get over um it's weird because i got a call to go back to construction the other day and i actually just like i haven't called um you know i haven't called back yet my mom's like oh what are you gonna do and i was like look to be honest like i just want to spend the next few months just building my house like for the first time i'm just like really enjoying it and i'm looking at people around me and they're enjoying the little things and i'm like at first i was like this is like such a bad thing and i'm scared of what's happening with humanity because of how much people were fearing and like scared of the neighbor you know like scared of the 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 fellow human but as that's mm. dying off it's like now i'm seeing like people like sit and have the time to like look at that sunset and take it in like smell the flowers yeah be more in the now now i'm looking at it like a good thing like holy fuck like people are gonna be having their mini awakening here you know they're like enjoying the now they're like i saw a good thing that um people that the whole pc culture might sort of slow down for a bit because they have something to actually worry about like a real threat yeah well i remember jordan peterson talking about like the whole yeah, I remember him talking about the whole thing with the, the political correctness right now, yeah. why we're so sensitive. And he was saying we've never had... He's like, life's so fucking good right now that it's like that's what we have to worry about is yeah. those little things like about like offending someone for not 
calling them a he when they look like a he and not saying a sure or z or whatever it is i don't know i don't yeah. want to get into that but it's yeah. just like i just remember him saying like when we're at war or when we're starving or like when there's something going on he's like it brings it's like we've got to stick together or like we've got to it's like those little things don't matter yeah there's a great meme that i saw a long a while back and and i love i can't remember the exact words but it was just um something on the lines that 17 year olds were you know, at this at this point in time, seventeen year olds were charging the beaches in Normandy, you know, to certain death. And then yeah. you know, now seventeen year olds are, you know, complaining about, you know, not getting the new iPhone, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But I can't remember the exact words, but it was really good. Yeah. Just bringing us back to I'll speak Oh to no, you. I think it was I think it was along the lines that they, they can't decide if they're a he or she at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I talked spoke to this mum in the surf yesterday. She had her kids there and she's homeschooling her kids and cause I went up to mum's place in the Goldie and I was like, I said, it was the first time I watched the news and just the fear, like it was just all, and everyone was a victim and it was just all just terrible. And I was like, oh my God, okay, this this makes sense why I was seeing the irrational fear as it was, as I was mm. watching this news. And there was this lady on there going, like the victim about having to homeschool her parents. And I'm sure that's extremely hard for a lot of people, especially in this circumstance, but I ended up talking to this lady in the surf yesterday and she was like, this is the best thing that has ever happened to our family. She's like, I've spent so much time with my kids. She's like, they're learning so much. And she's like, but they're actual life skills. She's like, we're getting up every morning. We're surfing together as a family. Mm. And she's like, we're really connecting. But she said how she said to me, this is just her experience, but how her homeschooling her kids and having that connection, them all doing it together is fun. It's fun for them and how quick they're progressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and she's just like, wow. She's like, yeah, this is the best time of like yeah, we've been I, as a I reckon family. there'd be, yeah, people will have a positive, you know, experience with it and some people have some yeah. negative ones. Well, families are getting the chance to spend time together. Yeah. Yeah. She agrees. Mm. Couples are getting time to spend together. Oh, yeah. We're ready to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering that about the divorce rate. I was worried about the... Well, they've the, said some stuff about that. The divorce rates have gone up and, you know, domestic violence has gone up. We've actually yeah, just seen depression. it in, in our area. Domestic violence just is right next door. But it's... um, Yeah, it's just... it's a. I was worried about the suicide times. rate. Yeah, I was worried. I, that did cross my mind a bit as well. I have to say that 14 days in isolation played on my mind. I realized like I was such a so social being um, and I realized my mind playing tricks on me. Like I realized like the negative thoughts and stuff. Like I didn't see anyone for like 14 days. No one would come near me. Like I was like, they, like I was looking, I was looked at as like a disease to society, like that I had something and I like, and so I started like feeling like that. And I was like, I noticed for the first time, cause I've, I feel like I've got quite a healthy mind. Well, and it only took 14 days for me to start fucking losing it or like be, starting being negative or being hard on myself. And I'm thinking, fuck, like. Well, it's just an experience you haven't experienced before. Mm. Something new. And yeah. if it happened again, you'd know exactly how to deal with it. Well, it just scared me about people that are already like depressed or in a bad place. Oh, yeah. How hard that must be on them. You've got to be thankful that you get to do all the things you get to do. You get to sit here and have a podcast. But, you know, there's some people who, yeah, very sheltered lives. Yeah. You can imagine what it would be like. And scary. Hmm. Oh, anyway. All I can do is, I suppose, is just send love to everyone. Yeah, let's, end on, let's like, end on a positive note, yeah. not a dark, yeah, depressive let's just, note. Like, okay, think about this. It's like, this is an amazing time to allow yourself to do all the things that you've always wanted to do because you have time to do it. 
it's like you can use this time to work for yourself. You know what I mean? It's oh, just yeah. like work on you. Well, just anything. Like fuck, I always wanted to learn Spanish. Okay, good. Well, I don't know. I wanted to build my house, and look what I'm doing. I'm building my yeah. You've actually house. gone. You've built. What did you build? A veggie garden? Oh, like a food garden. Yeah, out of natural poles. I went and mm. like, and that's something that I wouldn't have had time for to like put in the effort to actually be, like. I, I went and got all these natural poles off these properties, like um, old lot trees that have been felled, and I fucking milled them up, and I've put them in the ground. I did it all myself. Like that's why my back hurts so much. I put my back out doing it. You got the time. But yeah, I've just made this beautiful veggie garden, yeah. and that's it. And everyone was freaking out about like the seed banks all got sold out straight away. Yeah, it's taking people back to gardening. How's that a bad mm. thing? Gardening's gonna Bunnings is a busy place. <laughs> yeah, so there's pros, but I'm just yeah, it's a good thing to look at. There's like, I I just don't I think maybe the the last like little insight to that is like being the victim I think or like fearing irrational fear in anything in life is not really. Well, it's not rational. It's not going to get you anywhere. Especially when you're traveling. Well, the thing about being the victim is it's like, how's the victim ever going to help you? Because no one's going to like mm. do anything for your life but you. It's like you have to make it happen. I always had this mentality when we traveled overseas. And I think mum actually said it to me the first time was that just remember it's it's about you. You can make all these friends around the world. But remember, it's about getting if something goes wrong, it's you. You've got to take care of yourself. Yeah. And I think there's just always that mentality when you're especially when you're overseas traveling. Well, it's a responsibility. Because like you said, you know, what happens in three to four months when I'm with this family and they're, they're not going to take care of me, they're going to take care of their family. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's um, my experience about getting home. As soon as this is over, I, I want to get back into those expeditions. I had yeah. some big challenges um, for myself. Shout out to freaking Qantas for doing all that. that yeah. really good of them. Oh, no, I to me, they're actual heroes. As a... As a corporate company that could have done the same as what emirates did and just like cash grab mm. get as much money as possible as they could and just go for it to actually like look at human beings as human beings and like want to help them out it's just like it brought tears to people's eyes it like literally did it was like moving it was like absolutely amazing and what it did is it gave me faith in humanity because you think it like we're so against the corporate world you think about mm. like they don't care about us they don't care about the people like emirates didn't they showed that yeah. They showed our oh, shit. Like, we don't, like, you're on your own. Fuck, whatever. You know? Mm. We want our money. That's it. And Qantas kind of did that. Another thing I was saying was really moving too is that that 14th day that I came out of isolation, I got a message from Ella's, the 18 year old's mum. Oh, yeah. It was a big message just thanking me for being there for her and getting her daughter home and said that she was crying or more. She finally got to hug her daughter that she was with tears and just wanted to send me love. And that, message like gave me the shivers like it's just like wow like it was amazing to go through that with that with that young girl and like you know like kind of be the bigger brother and protector and like help her get mm. home to her family but she what they don't realize is that she did that for me too yeah you know what i mean like she was such a rock for me and like we kind of had I, like i had fun we, like, we played games we hung out little we mates you know it was sick like it was really fun to go through that with her mm, a lot in dark times yeah mm. scary times alright um, anyway we're gonna wrap this up thanks man thanks for no, it's good thanks for coming back on no worries we'll do it again soon Ooh. 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 <laughs> I'll see you later see you. just say
So if you like this episode, please feel free to share it and leave a rating. And if you have or know of anyone with a wild story, please get in contact with me through my Instagram, Aaron underscore Shanks, or the website, diariesofthewildones.com, because I'd love to sit down over a beer or a coffee and hear it. I do it like a double.